Karen is the proven expert in addiction treatment. A recent independent study showed that 94% of Karen patients were still in recovery 90 days post-treatment. Visit CARON.org slash real. Karen, real results, real care, real about recovery. Hey, everybody, and welcome to the Fantasy Football Addicts podcast. My name is Mung, and today we're actually joined by our producer, Dan, due to scheduling conflicts with Los. Hey, everybody. So, uh, unfortunately, we were unable to record on our normal uh, Monday night schedule, so we are recording this Wednesday. Uh, all of your waivers should have run already, so we won't uh, waste too much of your time talking about um, ads unless it's, it's an update to an existing injured player or new injuries like LaShawn McCoy and Doug Martin that we'll get into in just a little bit. Um, so basically, we're going to preview all of this coming week's games, and uh, let's get right into it. All right, so the first game we got up here is tomorrow night. Actually, it should be tonight when we uh, release this podcast. It's Chicago at Green Bay. Go Bears. Of course. Um, yeah, uh, I never thought that, you know, four or five weeks ago, I would not have thought that there would be a decent chance for Chicago to win this game going into Green Bay. Um, but the fact of the matter is the Packers just aren't that good of a team right now. Um, that said, I think that unfortunately overall, they're still a little bit better than Chicago. I, I foresee Green Bay leading for most of this game, but they have a lot of injuries in the secondary right now, and I think that Brian Hoyer could absolutely exploit that and get some garbage time points. Um, last week with the Cowboys, Zeke dominated the Green Bay run defense, but the Dallas offensive line uh, had a big hand to play in that. I would still fade Jordan Howard a bit this week, unless you play in PPR leagues. I do think he'll get a few checkdowns. Um, but overall, I, I don't think that this, this is going to be an RB2 week for him, more of a flex play here. Um, I just don't see the Bears running the ball that well against this Green Bay run defense. So you're basically hoping for him to get some dump offs and maybe a touchdown. Uh, but in terms of the wide receivers, with Eddie Royal declared out for the game, uh, both Alshon Jeffrey and Cameron Meredith should be started for sure. Uh, I, I think both are going to see double-digit targets here, and, and same with Zach Miller. He's a decent high-end tight end to play, given the projected catch-up game script and the strength of Green Bay's run defense. I agree with everything you just said. Um, for the exception of you, you're saying, you're saying that... Um that we could see some garbage time touchdowns. I completely disagree. I would not be shocked if the Bears get shut out because I, I'm not convinced that Hoyer is able to throw any touchdowns. I don't think that Brian Hoyer is a, a great NFL quarterback by any means, but I think that the game script is going to dictate that the Bears are just going to need to throw a ton. Uh, same with Green Bay after losing Eddie Lacy. I just think this is going to be kind of a shootout. Yeah, and Hoyer will get another 300 yards and no touchdowns. Well, I mean, if that's the case, uh, are you starting Connor Barth anywhere? Is that, is that what you're saying? No. <laughs> are you kidding me? <laughs> All right. So, so you're just pretty, uh, pretty negative on the Bears in general. I'm pretty negative on Brian Hoyer. I, I think, I mean, I think the Bears are going to play a good game. Uh, I just don't think it's going to be a high-scoring game um, in terms of at least the Bears side. We'll see what happens with Green Bay. Who knows what Aaron Rodgers we're going to get. He, he tends to show up for the Bears. so. You never know. All right. Well, I just think this is going to be a closer game than a lot of people are expecting, despite the Bears traveling to Lambeau for this. Um, but speaking of Lambeau, 
Green Bay's offense is having uh, problems of its own right now. Eddie Lacy out with this high ankle injury and, and maybe more as he flew to North Carolina today to get you know more info on that. Uh, he is out for this game for sure. Uh, they recently traded with the Chiefs for Niall Davis, but we are also expecting a lot of work for Ty Montgomery. Um, but the receivers are struggling to get open, and Rodgers is also missing on passes and misreading defensive coverages at times. Uh, very uncharacteristic for him. But against Chicago's quote-unquote secondary, uh, who's also missing a ton of guys, he's still a solid fantasy QB one play, the, you know, wouldn't you say, this week? Definitely. I, I would start him if I had him. Okay. Yeah, um, I will be benching him in one league, but that is only because... Uh, I try not to play uh, Packers against the Bears, but that's a personal decision that uh, none of you should necessarily follow. I would certainly be very happy starting Jordy here as a, a wide receiver one. Uh, Randall Cobb's been getting a ton of targets lately, so he's probably a low-end wide receiver too, especially in PPR. He's seen 11 targets now in two games straight. Um, and then Ty Montgomery, he's a pretty decent desperation flex play, especially in PPR. We saw him get 10 catches last week. Uh, with the lack of the running game, and I, I could see that uh, continuing. I, I agree with Ty Montgomery. I think he's going to have a bigger game than people expect him to. Um, I, I think he's going to get a lot of those like little dump-off passes. Yeah, I mean, they're basically supplementing their lack of a run game with those short little passes, and you know, especially in PPR, he's going to see a ton of targets, and targets translate to opportunity, which translates to production. Agreed. All right, well, um, if anyone did not pick up Ty Montgomery in your league, probably outside of the most shallow 8 or 10 team leagues, I would definitely add him. I think he needs to be owned for now, especially with Devontae Adams out with that concussion. Um, I think Montgomery's going to see a ton of work. Um, I actually think this is going to be a pretty close game, but I will take Green Bay here at home. I'd also take Green Bay at home. All right, so the next game we have here is the New York Giants at L.A. Rams. Yeah, um, two kind of mediocre teams right now. I don't know how exciting of a game this is going to be. Uh, I, I said a bunch of times to multiple people over the last few weeks that Odell Beckham is still a top three wide receiver, and now we see why after that Baltimore game, 222 yards, two touchdowns. You know, this is who this is why you drafted him as a as a top three, top five overall pick in your drafts. And we saw with Detroit last week that short, quick passes is kind of how you beat the Rams defensive line. So I expect Eli to do much of the same as Stafford did. And I could see a nice bounce back here, uh, bounce back week here for Sterling Shepard as well. Uh, I doubt you're starting anyone on the Giants outside of Eli, Beckham, and Shepard, except in very deep leagues. I think Shepard's a, a worthwhile flex play, and Eli is just outside my top 10 quarterbacks for this week. I agree with that. I, I actually have Eli in a couple leagues, and I think I'm going to bench him in one of them. He's just been too inconsistent, and you, you never know what you're going to get out of him. Sure, and I think it definitely depends on your options. Certainly if uh, you have a worthwhile streamer uh, like Mariota or a couple others that we'll get to in a little bit here as we preview these games. Uh, I would not have any issue with you benching Eli. What do you think about the running game here? I mean, it depends on the game script. Um, LA's, LA's front seven is they're they're good. Um, maybe maybe a flex play for Jennings. Uh, I would expect probably actually a better game out of Bobby Rainey only because I, I think he's going to be the one that's going to, in PPR, is going to actually put up some points. 
Yeah, I tend to agree there. I don't think I really want any part of the Giants run game in general, but uh, again, uh, it's easier to throw on the Rams than it is to run on them, so I too would prefer Rainey if you had to pick one. Um, on the other side here, for the Rams, Case Keenum actually looked like a legit NFL quarterback against Detroit, um, but the Giants' defense is actually not as much of a mess as Detroit's right now. Um, so I wouldn't necessarily start Keenum here, not expecting Lightning to strike twice uh, in the same place. Uh, Todd Gurley, always worth a start. Uh, low-end uh, low RB1 or RB2 simply due to the, the volume of touches that he's going to get and his overall talent. And then Kenny Britt had an amazing, amazing week, 136 yards and two touchdowns last week. Um, but for right now, he's still a desperation flex or a wide receiver for Janoris Jenkins has been playing pretty well and limiting those big, deep threats. Um, and I, I don't foresee a, a huge game like that again. That said, he is clearly the number one, uh, number one wide receiver right now, despite the number of targets that Tavon Austin's getting. And uh, yeah, I would, I would start him, but only if you're desperate. I, I just don't see a, a really high-scoring game uh, in, in this one. I wouldn't start anybody but Gurley. Okay. I, again, I think uh, if you're desperate enough, I do have Kenny Britt uh, in one deeper league, so he will be starting for me, but certainly in 10-man uh, leagues or maybe even 12-man, depending on your roster, uh, you wouldn't need him. I will take... I'll take the Giants on the road. Oof. Uh, I'm going to take the Giants, too. I think they're going to have another, another good week. All right. All right, the next game we have is New Orleans at Kansas City. So New Orleans, we know that the home and road splits for Drew Brees are a real concern, um, especially going up against a resurgent Kansas City defense here that limited Oakland's dangerous passing offense last week. Brees, for me, just a very low-end QB1 on the road here at Arrowhead, one of the toughest places to play. And I'd consider starting a streaming QB option over him um, again, the Chiefs defense has done a good job of limiting running back production as well the last few weeks, uh, the exception being Le'Veon Bell, but uh, he is definitely more the exception than the rule. So for me, Mark Ingram downgraded a little bit this week to a you know, mid-end run, running back two status, especially with a lot of these goal line opportunities being siphoned away to either a passing, passing option or um, John Kuhn or even Kobe Fleener getting a rushing touchdown. So I, I would expect uh, also for Kansas City to focus on limiting some of those bigger plays. So I think we could see this uh, as more of a week for Michael Thomas and, and maybe Willie Sneed if he's feeling healthy enough and Fleener underneath and over the middle rather than those big plays to Brandon Cooks. Um, I wouldn't necessarily bench Brandon Cooks, but I certainly would limit uh, your expectations for him this week. Would not expect another 100 yards and a, and a touchdown sort of day from him. I think Fleener is a must start in this game. In PPR, he's going to he's going to get so many so many catches. You know, I I think that Drew Brees uh much to my chagrin as a Fleener owner in multiple leagues, but I think over the middle he actually trusts the rookie Michael Thomas uh you know the most right now, particularly after Willie Sneed's uh, foot or toe injury uh, a couple weeks back. Um but I agree uh Fleener should see plenty of work again, uh, particularly in the red zone. Agreed. All right. And on the other side here with the Kansas City Chiefs, um, Alex Smith, actually not a terrible streaming option this week. 
uh, we saw that, uh, you know, the New Orleans defense, despite doing a little bit better, is still just um, very, very beatable. And even though last week, um, you know, they really relied on that running game with both Spencer Ware and Jamal Charles, the opportunities were definitely there for Smith to have a bigger day. And I think that depending on your options, he's not a terrible start here against New Orleans at home. Um, and then for the running backs, uh, the same. I would start both Spencer Ware and Jamal Charles as RB2s. I think they're going to split those snaps. But I think, again, against this very beatable defense, they will both have opportunities for touchdowns. And I think that they're going to be pretty much running ball down New Orleans' throat. Um, as for the receivers here, Jeremy Macklin, I would start with confidence as a low-end wide receiver, too, with upside. And then Travis Kelsey, despite uh, not getting as many targets uh, as he did the last few weeks, um, I, I think he's still a tight end one here. Uh, they certainly have gotten more of a uh, push to get him involved in the red zone offense this year, and I think that's going to continue. Um, again, the only worry is that they're going to dominate this game and lead to much more production on the ground than through the air. I would have to agree on your last comment there. I, I really... If, if it were me, if I had Macklin or Kelsey on any of my teams, I would probably consider them only in a flex. Um, I, I, I have better options, um, so I, I would do that. I just, don't, I just think it's going to be a ground and pound. It's going to be Ware and Charles the entire game. Yeah, um, I certainly won't argue with that. Uh, I do think they'll take a couple deep shots here and there to Macklin, so it really depends if he can reel that in. Um, and then the one other note that I really wanted to uh, kind of highlight here with Kansas City. Uh, I tweeted earlier today, uh, I've added the Kansas City defense in multiple leagues. Um, Justin Houston is back practicing with no brace on. Uh, really, this defense is kind of uh, very different uh, with him uh, as they are without him. Um, with him, they are their pass rush gets you know much, much more potent. And really, their secondary is decent. But with that pass rush added on there, uh, that's when you saw those giant, giant games a year or two ago. Um, and if you can, I would do this as a preemptive ad. I don't think that New Orleans is going to have that much success, even if this remains a close game this week. Um, and you have to remember that the Chiefs ha are, are past their bye week. So basically, if you've been streaming, Kansas City could be your starting defense for the rest of the year. I agree. All right, uh, I will take the Chiefs at Arrowhead. Chiefs with confidence. Wow, all right, okay. I, I just, yeah, I don't know. They're looking good. Okay, next game we have is Minnesota at Philadelphia. Yeah, and uh, Minnesota coming off of their bye, um, I think that you know the Philadelphia defense has actually played pretty well this season. But... Uh, yeah, I mean, Bradford, just a QB2, uh, he really doesn't need to do much most weeks given the state of their defense. And if Stefan Diggs plays, I think he's a wide receiver three with upside. And then Jarek McKinnon, he's a low-end RB2. He should get most of the touches again over Matt Asiata, even if Asiata siphons off, you know, a touchdown or a couple goal line carries. And we got to remember that uh, Philadelphia just got gashed by Matt Jones and Minnesota's offensive line, hopefully during the bye week had some time to get more cohesive. Um, and then Kyle Rudolph still tight on one. Uh, we saw Vernon Davis have a couple big, excuse me, big plays against Philly's defense, uh, including one that went for a touchdown. And Sam Bradford certainly likes targeting the tight end position quite a bit. 
uh, Rudolph is still probably his second favorite target on this offense behind Stephon Diggs. I think Kyle Rudolph is going to have a big, big game here. I just think that the, that Philadelphia is going to like they're going to leave him open, not leave him open, but you know he's he's going to have the most opportunity here against that defense. Sure. Um, and then just a couple quick notes as well. If Stefan Diggs does not play again, I think Adam Thielen worth a, a DFS play or a desperation wide receiver play if, you, if you're being really hurt by injuries here. Um, and then you don't need me to tell you to start the Vikings defense, do you? <laughs> um, all right. And then on the Philadelphia side here, honestly, I would avoid starting anyone on Philadelphia this week if you can. We've seen Minnesota just shut down much better offenses. And while Carson Wentz has played relatively well this far this season for a rookie quarterback, um, you know, they lost their guard. Um, Vitae is getting just run over, and uh, this is not a good week for him to kind of improve on that. Uh, and Wentz has really has yet to face a test like Minnesota. Um, Jordan Matthews even dealing with some knee tendonitis, so not at 100%, even though he should play. But just another reason to fade him and this entire Philadelphia Eagles offense. I agree. I, I wouldn't start any of these guys either. Um, maybe their defense, if anything. They had a really good outing last week. Um, so you never know. You know, the the Minnesota offense isn't exactly the best offense out there. I think they could, you know, get it together and, and put a, another good week together. Yeah, um, I agree that the Philadelphia defense is all right, but I just think that I, I'm expecting at least uh, one or two turnovers from the Philly offense here against that Vikings defense. I think that the Philadelphia defense is going to be backed up on some, on some short fields and, and really not have that much to work with. So I would avoid the Philly defense as well, but uh, not the worst play if you had to pick. Okay, I can see that. Um, I will take the Vikings on the road. I will also take the Vikings. They're 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 the only team that's that seems to be uh, doing it this year. You know they're still undefeated. Yeah, the, the Vikings are just rolling right now. They keep it going. Okay, next uh, game we have here is Indianapolis at Tennessee. So <laughs> let's talk real quick about the epic epic collapse that the Colts defense decided to have against Houston last week. Um, but that said, this terrible defense uh, gives Andrew Luck and company uh, pretty good game scripts in general for the passing offense. And I think that Luck should have success again against this Tennessee defense, despite it playing better than advertised right now. He's a solid QB1 for me this week. Um, but I would fade Frank Gore just as a flex play this week for me. The Titans have defended pretty well against the run, and Indy has one of the league's worst offensive lines. Uh, continue firing up T.Y. Hilton as a solid wide receiver one play despite a, a rough game at Houston. Um, he's still seeing a ton of targets. Uh, and Tennessee has struggled covering those more dynamic wide receivers. And uh, one last thing, Dwayne Allen uh, with that ankle injury. Uh, Jack Doyle as a replacement becomes a pretty enticing play uh, at tight end if you've been streaming that position. I have him as a pretty high-end tight end too this week. He's pretty much become the number two target for Andrew Luck in that passing game behind T.Y. Hilton. Yeah, I agree. I actually used Jack Doyle one week in one of my leagues, and he was serviceable, you know, as, especially as, as like a bye week fill. Um, I think he's going to do fine with Dwayne Allen out. 
Yeah, I mean, he's basically going to soak up most of those targets. We could see uh, Eric Swoop get a little bit of work, but I think it's going to be mostly the Jack Doyle show. I agree. All right, and then against this terrible indie defense that made Brock Osweiler look like Drew Brees in the second half last week, uh, I'm very comfortable streaming Marcus Mariota as a low-end QB1 this week. Um, I'm happy to start Delaney Walker as a low-end tight end one, although his lack of targets is starting to become a little concerning. I, I still think that there are far worse options than Delaney Walker out there at tight end. Um, and then Kendall Wright looks like he's rebuilt some chemistry with Marcus Mariota. I don't know that I fully trust that just yet, but they certainly seem to um, have him again as the number one receiver over Tajay Sharp. He's uh, regressed since the early couple of weeks this season. Um, Kendall Wright, he's a wide receiver for a desperation flex play. Uh, um, again, not uh, not the greatest or most, most confident play, but uh, he's got a lot of upside against this Colts defense. Yeah, I, I agree. I think Delaney Walker is going to have a better game than you think. Um, he's a big guy. He's, he's a red zone target. You know, I wouldn't necessarily say he's touchdown, uh, touchdown dependent because he gets looks, he gets catches. Um, I, would, I would bump him up a little bit more than a low-end tight end one, in my opinion. Um, I also agree with you on Tajay Sharp, but what can you really expect from a fifth-round rookie, you know? In a dynasty league, yeah, maybe he's worth keeping on, keeping a hold on, but I don't know. I, I would drop him if I had him in any uh, redraft. Oh, yeah, I have to think that Tajay Sharp's ownership percentage is very low at this point. Uh, I'm pretty sure most owners have, have parted ways with him at least a couple weeks ago at this point. Um, so I will take, I'll take Tennessee, the home team here. Oh, man, I don't want to agree with you again. I would have taken them too. Mariota just showed he can do he he can get it done last week. Yeah, um, you know it's it's close for me. I think this game is, is going to be pretty tight. Uh, we could see some Andrew Luck heroics uh, closed out by Adam Vinatieri, um, but I just think that the Colts are you know kind of in a slump right now, and I will take the home team in this close matchup. Colts have been in a slump all season. In yeah, I mean, I, I think that they really they could really use Dante Moncrief back. He adds a, a very dangerous element to the offense. We're seeing that Philip excuse me, Philip Dorsett just isn't getting it done right now. Um, but I think that until Dante Moncrief returns to the lineup, uh, we're really going to be seeing a, a, a still good but relatively lackluster Colts offense. Yeah, I can agree with that. All right, next game we have here is Buffalo at Miami. All right, well, the most important piece of news right now for the Buffalo Bills, uh, LaShawn McCoy did not finish practice today with a tight hamstring injury. Uh, we are not sure yet about his availability. Um, oh, wow, the Cubs just got a great out here. Uh, still uh, scoreless in, in the third. Um, all right, sorry. Hey, hey stay on task. Okay, this uh, well, is a football podcast. Well, to be fair, the Bears won the Super Bowl in 1985, and the Cubs haven't in much, much longer. So, um, yeah. All right, so uh, back to another important topic. LaShawn McCoy, again, we're not sure yet if he's going to play this week. Um, Mike Gillisley, a, a very interesting waiver wire ad. Uh, certainly go out in your leagues and see if he's owned. Uh, of course, the this podcast will be posting Thursday morning, so it's possible that uh, he is already owned at this point, but 
always uh, always better better to check than assume. He is available in a couple of my leagues. I don't know why people aren't picking him up. Yeah, uh, of course it depends on your roster. You know, if you already have three or four reliable running backs, then certainly um, McCoy may be back sooner than later, and uh, maybe even this week. But we will see about that. Um, but in deeper leagues, or if you're pretty desperate at running back, uh, I know a couple of my teams have suffered many injuries already this year. Um, certainly worth uh, worth looking into at least. Um, and then for Tyrod Taylor, I, I think that this isn't a terrible streaming option this week against a struggling Miami defense. Uh, they certainly made the Steelers look terrible, but um, the Steelers have a tendency to just give up random bad games and then Ben Roethlisberger, of course, uh, had that injury in the knee, um, so that I'm sure that contributed to the poor effort on their part. For me, uh, Gillisley, if McCoy is out, would be a, a low-end running back to or flex play. We're just not sure what kind of um, snap percentage he would get. I, I do think that we would see sort of a committee in McCoy's absence. Um, and then I really can't trust any of these wide receivers. Justin Hunter's been getting a couple touchdowns, but he's still been wildly inconsistent and not playing that many snaps. Um, but there is talk that he may get more snaps at the expense of Marquise Goodwin. So certainly uh, he was a, a big name to monitor a couple of years ago. And if he can, if Kenny Britt can uh, come back and have a really good season, maybe Justin Hunter can. We'll see. Um, but for me, the important pass catcher here is Charles Clay. He's a, you know, he's a high floor, low ceiling tight end too. He should be good for about five catches for 50 yards every week. And you're basically praying for a touchdown. I had such high hopes for Tyrod Taylor this year too. I really thought he was going to have a good year. He's going to be a top 12 quarterback. Ugh, this didn't work out. Yeah. I mean, I, I think most of that can be attributed to losing his biggest weapon and Sammy Watkins. I think if Watkins he were was, healthy, he wasn't doing well with him playing. Well, I, I don't know that we ever saw a fully healthy Sammy Watkins this year. I think that's part of it. That, that, but I mean, Tyrod can, he can run too. You, you would expect that you can get something out of him. Yeah. And we very mu- we very well might see that against this Miami defense, especially with McCoy out. They may need to try some, uh, some different formations here on the offense and a little bit of trickery. Yeah, we'll see. Um, and of course, Buffalo defense, a great play if you've added them uh, against Miami. Um, and then on the Miami side, uh, Buffalo gave up some big games to David Johnson and Todd Gurley, but I wouldn't expect Jay Ajayi to, you know, I wouldn't put him up there with those guys just yet. I think that he's just a flex play this week, despite dominating Pittsburgh with that 200-yard day. Um, Really, the um, the Miami off- offensive line uh, finally getting everybody healthy and playing together, uh, and we saw what they can do. But again, Pittsburgh is also a much tougher test than Pittsburgh. Um, or excuse me, Buffalo is a much tougher test than Pittsburgh. Um, and then we also may see Arian Foster get a little bit more involved this week, depending on his health. Uh, I'm basically avoiding everyone on this Miami offense except for Jarvis Landry and maybe JJ as a flex play. They're they're riding a hot hand in, in Miami right now. Who knows? It, I mean, Foster could put up. He can get 25 carries next week. We don't know. You know, it's I wouldn't play any of them either. Um, I think that JJ has the starting job in hand for now. Uh, I wouldn't be too worried about the touches. I just don't know that he's going to do uh, the same amount that he was able to last week with those touches. 
right? He's just he just had a really good game. Like that that might not happen again. Yeah. So so did uh, so did Jonas Gray, and we never heard from right. him ever again. So is he is he on a practice squad now? Like where is he? Is he still um, anywhere? I don't think so. I don't yeah. I don't think he's even rostered on a practice squad. Yikes. <laughs> um. Yeah. File file that as a, a one hit wonder, but. Um, I, I do think Ajayi will be more relevant. Uh, this isn't uh, the Patriots we're talking about here, but um, still, give me Buffalo on the road. I'll, I'll take Buffalo, too. Uh, Miami just, they're not doing it again this week. All right, the next game we have is Washington at Detroit. Yeah, um, Case Keenum looked like a phenom against this Detroit defense last week, uh, missing Haloti Nyata and, and DeAndre Levy, definitely. Um, this Detroit defense has struggled a ton. Kirk Cousins, for me, is a, is a solid mid-to-low-end QB1 this week. I have him in a ton of DFS lineups already. And then for me, Matt Jones, a, a mid-end RB2. Uh, Detroit can also be run on. And then really all the wide receivers are flex plays for me, as this Lions defense is just atrocious. Um, for me, we could see... You know, I think we could definitely see a Deshaun Jackson touchdown in this game. We saw what Kenny Britt was able to do. Um, and then without Jordan Reed, I think, uh, again, uh, Detroit has given up a ton of touchdowns to tight ends, seven through six games. So I think Vernon Davis, a high-ceiling, low-floor uh, streaming tight end, too, if you need somebody to plug in this week. Um, and then we might see a lot more PPR uh dump-offs to Pierre Garcon and Jameson Crowder as well. If you need those guys, uh, they could be a decent flex play this week as well. Yeah, I don't know what happened with Case Keenum. Like, that was kind of a ridiculous game. I also don't know how I feel about Matt Jones. Uh, he's kind of an, uh, an annoying player to own. I, I have him in one of my leagues, and I never know when to play him. He just ends up on my bench all the time, and then he has a huge game. Yeah, he's definitely been maddeningly inconsistent. Uh, and I think actually in deeper leagues, Rob Kelly should be rostered. Uh, he's, you know, supposed to, uh, according to the coaches, uh, get more work going forward. He's shown pretty well. Um, so again, definitely something to consider in 14 or 16 team leagues uh, and also in Dynasty. Um, and then I, I think, again, with, with your comment about Case Keenum, really Nyata and Levy are two of the most important pieces of that Lions defense. If they're out again, then really it's kind of toothless. All they really have is Darius Slay and, you know, in the secondary, and everyone else is kind of just there. Yeah, th this might be a weird game. It just might be a very high-scoring game. Yeah, I agree. I think Washington's defense is attackable as well, and I think that Matthew Stafford has looked great with Jim Bob Cooter. Uh, he's a QB1 again this week after picking apart that Rams defense, and I expect to see Josh Norman on Marvin Jones a good amount. Um, so Jones, for me, gets downgraded a little bit, just a, a low-end wide receiver two or high-end wide receiver three. He's been struggling lately to see as many targets as he did to start the season. And Anquan Bolden and Golden Tate, uh, their their production were, you know, both products of kind of having Theo Riddick, Dwayne Washington, and Eric Ebron all inactive last week due to injury. I think that opened up a ton of targets, uh, especially those short uh, middle-of-the-field targets. Um, I would monitor their health because I think if Theo Riddick and or Eric Ebron plays, I don't think that Bolden or Tate are going to be quite as reliable. Um, really, the lines just kind of, 
tried to avoid running into the teeth of LA's defense with only Zach Center and Justin Forsett last week. So, you know, they've focused on a very pass-heavy game. Um, but you can run on Washington. And uh, again, uh, both Tate and Bolden benefited those from those short targets, kind of like what we talked about with Ty Montgomery um, with the lack of a running game. So uh, again, both are going to be solid flex plays, uh, especially if Riddick um, and or Eron are both inactive. But if they are active, then I would lower expectations for those guys. So you don't think that Golden Tate is back? Like this is not, you know, so you're saying that it was just a fluke last week? Um, yes, I, I think that Theo Riddick uh, is going to come back to all those short targets and then Eric Ebron is going to get a lot of those as well. Okay. I don't know. I don't know. You see, so you don't think that Marvin Jones lack of production or lack of targets is, is because Tate spoke out a little bit a few weeks ago about not being targeted. Um, I, I think Marvin Jones getting fewer targets the last couple of weeks is due to, to two causes really. Uh, number one, um, Jim Bob Cooter, he runs sort of a, as Lowe's calls it, Diet Coke uh, or a New Orleans light type offense where they really spread the ball around. They don't have one number one guy that they always go to, uh, especially with Calvin gone now. Um, so I really think, uh, again, kind of like Atlanta as well, uh, if, if they're going to leave Marvin Jones open, then they're, they'll feed him a ton. But if they decide that he's the most important guy to cover, then you know they can pick apart uh, the opposing defense in multiple ways. Um, and then number two, I think again with, you know, Golden Tate, I don't know that he's back per se. I, I think that they are trying to get him more involved, but there are only so many targets to go around. And really for me, it, it all depends on the availability of Theo Riddick and Eric Ebron. Okay. I can see that. So who are you taking in this match? Um, I will take Detroit. I also am going to take Detroit. It's going right. be a high scoring game though. Yeah, definitely. I, I would take the over. Okay, the next game we have is Cleveland at Cincinnati, an Ohio brawl. Yeah, do, do we really need to talk about Cleveland that much? Um, Terrell Pryor hasn't practiced yet this week with a hamstring injury. Um, if he doesn't play this game, things look pretty bleak for Cincinnati. Um, on paper, uh, or excuse me, pretty bleak for Cleveland, mixing up these Ohio teams. Um, on paper, Cincinnati, uh, their defense has given up a ton of points to running backs. Um, but they've also played Ezekiel Elliott and the Patriots. Uh, so I would take that with a grain of salt. Uh, both Crowell and Duke Johnson are both just flex plays for me here. Uh, I would lean a little bit towards Duke. I do think, again, this is going to be sort of a catch-up game script for them. Um, and then if Terrell Pryor plays, you know, you're plugging him in as a low-end wide receiver too with upside. But again, uh, monitor his practice status. Uh, who knows with that hamstring injury. Um, if he's out, I guess... Gary Barnage gets a little bit of a bump. He seems to have gotten things going a little bit with Cody Kessler, uh, but he's really just a high-end tight end too, uh, mid-end tight end too, until Josh McCown can come back from that injury. Uh, McCown's really the quarterback that had the most chemistry with Gary Barnage. Is there is there recent news about McCown? I personally haven't heard anything. Yeah, he's uh, he's been ruled out. Uh, he needs at least another week uh, to come back from that uh, shoulder slash collarbone injury. Yeah, wasn't he close to coming back last week, and now they're it's just getting extended. Yeah, I, I believe from the reports that I read online today, um, Cody Kessler is confirmed to be the starter against Cincinnati, but things are looking up for McCown. Could be another week or two. Oh, we'll see. 
Yeah, so I mean, if Gary Barnes got dropped, or uh, if you think he's an easy trade target, uh, if there is news that McCown's coming back soon, he could be a guy to target. Yeah. Um, on the other side here, the Bengals, one of the good streaming defensive option, options, excuse me, this week, um, as it is the Cleveland offense. Um, and then on offense, uh, it's the Cleveland defense. So start Andy Dalton as a QB1. Uh, AJ Green as a top five wide receiver and then it sounds like Tyler Eifert's starting to get back to practice now uh, after suffering that back injury a couple weeks ago Um, if he's healthy enough to play he should be a tight end one right off the bat Um, but it sounds like things are still a little bit more pessimistic we might not see him for one more week Uh, and then Jeremy Hill has really looked bad the last few weeks and we've seen that Giovanni Bernard's getting more snaps as a result um, for me, Bernard here is a low-end RB2, and then Hill really is just a not-great flex play. I mean, if you really need somebody, throw him in there. But, um, yeah, I, I don't know that you can really trust Jeremy Hill right now. Yeah, I agree. I, I, if anything, I would flex only one of them, probably Geo. Um, but if I had other options, I would bench, bench both of them. Yeah, um, and then, you know, as I mentioned with uh, Gary Barnage being a potential trade target or a buy low, uh, I think it's the same with Andy Dalton. He's done really well without Tyler Eifert, and, you know, the yards have been there, just not the scores, and I think that with Eifert back soon, uh, the Bengals are going to get back their best red zone target, and I think that's going to benefit Andy Dalton as well. Um, So really, if you can, you know, if somebody dropped him or if you can grab him for cheap and you need help at QB after losing Ben Roethlisberger, I think he's a good target as well. Yeah, and I was almost going to disagree with you about the the Cincinnati defense because uh, Perfect was carted off of practice today. And then I realized they're playing the Browns. So you can play any defense against the Browns and expect at least a, a, a nice floor. You know, I actually did not see that uh, bit of news about Perfect, but, uh, you know, I can't say that I'm all that sad. I mean, I never want to hear somebody getting hurt, but he seems to be just one of those players that likes to try and hurt other guys. So I just, I can't, as talented of a, of a guy as he is, I just can't respect that. Yeah, who'd he step on? Like, was that last week or two weeks ago? Uh, it was LeGarrette Blunt last week that yeah. he kind of stomped all and over like uh, in, in the pile. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, not cool. So, yeah. Um, despite that, I will take uh, the Cincinnati Bengals. I mean, that's an obvious choice. <laughs> the uh, the battle for Cleveland seems pretty decided on paper. Right. All right, so the next game we have is Oakland at Jacksonville. Yeah, I mean, uh, honestly, this is like the exact game that Oakland needs to get back on track after that stomping against Kansas City last week. Uh, they really struggled against the Chiefs, but expect them to rebound here. Brian Hoyer had over 300 yards, uh, just no touchdowns, and Derek Carr is a solid low-end QB1 play this week. Um, the Raiders running back by committee continues to disappoint from a fantasy perspective. There, there's a ton of opportunity there. It's just divvied up, you know, three or four ways. There's just not enough. I, I wouldn't start any of them. You're basically praying for a touchdown. Um, you can't trust any of them as more of a super desperate flex play. And then Amari Cooper and Michael Crabtree, both wide receiver twos this week in what should be a shootout type of game. I agree with that. It's probably going to end up being a shootout. Um... Murray is just very disappointing. Turf toe is one of those lingering injuries, too. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if he ends up being kind of this questionable for every game for the rest of the season. 
Um, for me, Latavius Murray is is completely droppable. Um, the injury combined with the fact that uh, he was starting to lose a ton of snaps anyway to both of the other guys, I just I don't want any part of this uh, running back committee. Uh, pretty much like the New York Giants. I wouldn't be shocked if if part of his uh, his drop in production was due to a turf toe turf toe injury. He probably had this before it was reported. That's my guess. He he was too good last year for them to just completely abandon him. I think that's definitely possible, but I think that at this point, even if that were true, if he can be effective again, um, they're really going to limit limit his snaps, and they're going to go with the committee option here. Right. I mean, it's all about opportunity in the NFL. Yeah, uh, that's absolutely true. Um, and on the other side here with Jacksonville, I guess the question is, do you feel lucky? Um, if so, yes, you start Blake Bortles uh, with lots of garbage time opportunities. He might throw four picks in this game, but he might also get 300 yards and three touchdowns to go along with that. Um, he's a risk-reward QB2, uh, given his struggles as of late, and, and I think it's time to panic a little bit on Allen Robinson. Um, he's had you know one or two like relatively big games here, but really his schedule going forward isn't great. Um, and to add on to that, Blake Bortles has really struggled. I mean, if you look at it, um, Blake Bortles has started to target Alan Hearns and even Marquise Lee a little bit more. Uh, it's really not what you wanted when you drafted Robinson in the in the late first or early second rounds. Um, Hearns and, and even Marquise Lee and PPR, they're both uh, low-end, you know, wide receiver four or flex play options. Um, and then Julius Thomas, really disappointing because he hasn't been nearly as involved either as he was early in the season. Um, again, with Marquise Lee's targets kind of trending up and eating into all of their targets, Thomas just a tight end too right now. And honestly, if you wanted to drop him, if you needed bye week help, uh, there's so many options at tight end. Uh, I would be okay with that. Um, and then the running game, just completely putrid. TJ Yeldon, he's a decent running back. I, I still see that in him. Um, but, I mean, outside of deep PPR leagues, I don't, I don't know that he's anything more than a, a running back three or a flex play with a, a pretty low ceiling, to be honest. What happened to this entire team in general? I mean, going into the season, everyone thought that they, they finally turned a corner. They're going to start being decent. And look at this. They, they almost lose to the Bears. <laughs> yeah, uh, from what I hear, uh, Blake Bortles really slacked off in the offseason. You know, he spent all of last offseason working diligently with Tom House, getting his throwing motion and his footwork in order. Um, but, you know, I heard he kind of just slacked off this, this year, and we're seeing the fruits of that. Yeah, so, wh so what do you think really about this whole Yeldon and Ivory at, at running back? You think that they're in a full-blown committee? What what's up? Yeah, I, I think I want Yeldon and PPR, nothing more than a flex player in RB three, and and Ivory to me is droppable as well. I don't know if Ivory's droppable. I think uh, last week he was a suspect of the game script. They, I mean, they were behind for most of the game, and he was still getting most of the carries. Um, and yeah, I mean, he didn't he didn't get a touchdown, did he? I don't think so. I understand your point, but here's the thing, right? Um, two things. Number one, do we ever really expect this Jaguars team to be in the lead? And, and number two, even if they are, their offensive line is so bad that, you know, even if he does get those red zone carries, uh, it's going to be tough for them to convert. That's possible. I, I don't know. I, I personally don't think that Ivory's droppable, um, but I don't know if he's, I don't know if he's worth playing every week. 
he's for me he can be a bye week fill i would take a chance yeah um and i think in general i'm a more reactive owner than most uh I, i'm very into you know kind of having guys prove to me that they, they're worth the spot on my bench um really i, I think i, I kind of shoot for upside in most of my bench plays but i understand that uh, definitely in deeper leagues you can't just be dropping these guys left or right it all depends on what your options are on the waiver wire um, so for me i i have fairly uh i'm fairly confident in terms of being able to stream different running backs and wide receivers and tight ends week to week um, but definitely it, it all depends on your situation right you're not just dropping these guys left and right it, it really depends like depending on your injuries to other players for me um, I'm holding on to guys like Des Bryant and Doug Martin in certain leagues. So for me, I just don't have room for guys like Chris Ivory, who even if they are healthy, just don't have that kind of ceiling. Um, so for me, he is our, he is droppable. But again, you know, make your own calls. Right. Um, I will take Oakland on the road. Ugh. I will too. They were uh, Jacksonville was just so bad last week that I, I don't think I can pick them for another game this this entire year. <laughs> yeah, I, I think Oakland's one of those teams that that's going to struggle against the really good teams, but they're definitely, uh, you know, a, a tier up on some of these really bad teams for sure. Right. All, All right, right, next game, we have Baltimore at New York Jets. Yeah, so um, something to monitor here. Uh, Joe Flacco didn't practice today with a shoulder issue. Uh, not sure what that's all about, but definitely something worth monitoring. Um, that said, Ryan Mallett actually looked dare I say, decent uh, when he filled in last year, um, at least was able to get the balls to his receivers. And Terrence West, uh, not a great matchup here. We saw David Johnson do really well, but that's David Johnson. For me, he's just a low-end RB2, uh, and that's due to his volume. Uh, he's still going to get his touches regardless of the matchup. And then really with Steve Smith out, uh, they've spread the ball out a lot. I expect Wallace to be the number one receiver again this week, uh, assuming Steve Smith needs another week or two to heal from that uh, high ankle injury. Um, I think, again, uh, the Jets, despite Carson Palmer not really going there with his lack of arm strength now, um, you know, Wallace has that deep threat and the Jets are beatable deep. So uh, he's a wide receiver three play for me. And then Dennis Pitta still a high end tight end two in PPR, a low ceiling, um, but high floor due to, due to the volume of targets in the middle of the field. But he's really just not getting that many red zone targets uh, to boost his touchdown numbers. So what are you doing with Dixon if you picked him up a few weeks ago? Um, I, I think Dixon, you can still hold him. The upside is definitely still there, but I think it's going gonna, it's gonna to take a little bit more patience. Um, you know your league better than we do. Uh, you know, is there going to be another savvy owner who kind of stashes him? And again, uh, again, going back to everything being situational, right? Uh, if, if you're 5-1 and one right now, or if you're 4-2, and two and, and you can afford to stash some of these upside guys while you're winning games with your current roster, then by all means, hold on to them. Um, but if you're two and four, if you're three and three and you have some tough, excuse me, tough matchups coming up the next couple of weeks and you need guys who are going to produce for you now, um, you know, get those wins now. You, you can't uh, you can't be starting these high upside guys in the playoffs if you don't make it there first. Right. Um, and then on the Jets side, uh, you know, we've seen Matt Forte really, you know, decline in terms of the carries and the touches that he's getting here. Um, I do think that this is going to be a little bit more of a competitive game than it was against the Cardinals, so I do think he's worth a flex play here, but we've seen that Bilal Powell is very much involved now. 
Um, and really, the whole Jets offense is just struggling. Um, Ryan Fitzpatrick is now benched, so the starter will be Geno Smith. Uh, that said, I'm not worried at all about Brandon Marshall. We saw in Smith's starts uh, last year that Marshall's going to continue to be a wide receiver one. He's going to get targeted 15, 20 times, regardless of who's under center for the Jets. And then Quincy Nunwa, we'll see what kind of chemistry he has with Geno Smith. Uh, for me, he's a low-end wide receiver three. Um, the Baltimore defense is decent, even with all these injuries. And then uh, we really just have to wait and see what kind of uh, target share he's going to get with this quarterback change. This is all Eric Decker's fault. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, you, you certainly feel bad for Decker. Uh, now we find out that he's got a hip uh, surgery in addition to uh, that shoulder injury. Certainly wish him a, a speedy recovery. Um, just got surgery today. Uh, but yeah, really, uh, I think Fitzpatrick might still have this job if Eric Decker had uh, you know, still been there. He was playing decently up until that point. Eric Decker is the glue guy of that team. Like he's the, I don't know. It's just he he's he draws maybe an odd matchup. I'm not really sure, but something about him playing and he does well. The whole team does well. Now the Jets, like to me, they're almost unwatchable. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I, I certainly don't think many people would have been watching that Monday night game were it not for fantasy purposes. Um, I know, I know. For me, I was facing someone with david johnson i was just watching the the point differentials continually shrink and thankfully they benched him in the fourth quarter uh it was a real real close call for me um but in general i, I think you know this jets offense is pretty lackluster right now we'll see if they decide to get austin safarian jenkins a little bit more involved here um he's a stash in deeper dynasty leagues um and then switching the focus to dynasty for just a couple seconds here um I think that now is not the time to buy Eric Decker. You're going to find some stubborn owners. Um, I, I think that it sounds like he may miss a, a portion of next year to start the season as well, depending on how long these uh, recoveries from both of these surgeries are going to take. So I, I think the, the shark move here is going to be wait and then try and buy uh, Eric Decker early next preseason when it sounds like you know it's going to take longer than expected for him to get back on the field. I, I know, Dan, you own Eric Decker mm -hmm. in our Dynasty League, so certainly I won't be trying this strategy with you having given that away, but um, you're a pretty smart owner in general, so I don't, I don't think that you would sell low on him to begin with. We have IR spots. Why would I? He's not taking up a spot for me. Right, but I'm just saying in general, uh, from a dynasty approach, you know, people have people tend to have short memories, especially fickle fantasy owners. Oh yeah, I agree. Um, all right, so oh, the Cubs finally getting some hits here in the fourth inning. A uh, quick game update for those of you who care, which is probably Dude, not many. Football podcast. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, uh, I will take. Oh man, this is tough. I uh, know <laughs> it's so tough. Ooh. You know what? Yeah, Gino truthers unite. I'll take the Jets at home. I'm, I'm just going to defect with you. I'm going with Baltimore. Okay. Uh, I certainly can't argue with that. I would, not, uh, I would not use this game in any survivor pools this week. Honestly, I was going to pick the Jets until you said you were going to pick the Jets, and I needed to disagree with you on something. Yeah, got to get that variance. Right? All right, the next game we have is San Diego at Atlanta. Yeah, so uh, I really don't even want to watch much of the Baltimore Jets game, uh, but San Diego at Atlanta, this is going to be a good game. Phillip Rivers was able to move the ball against a pretty good Denver defense, so Atlanta's secondary shouldn't be a concern. 
Um, he's a mid-end QB1, and then Melvin Gordon should have more scoring opportunities than last week. Uh, he's a low-end RB1 just with all the volume that he gets. Um, and then Atlanta actually limited the deep shots pretty well, so I'm expecting more Tyrell Williams and Dontrell Inman underneath. Um, also, Travis Benjamin has been struggling with, I think it's a knee issue, so I'm not sure how much he's even going to play here. Um, for me, uh, Tyrell Williams is the main guy. Dontrell Inman, we've seen that you know there are opportunities there for him, but Rivers really looks to Williams. And then also to Hunter Henry, who I think is not even a streaming tight end anymore. I think he's a legit mid to low end tight end one, uh, maybe even higher as we see the season progress. Uh, we've seen the steep decline of Antonio Gates and his ability to play even when he is on the field. And I really think that Hunter Henry is the future here for the Chargers. And yeah, uh, he needs to be owned. Oh, absolutely. If if he's still sitting there in your league, take him. Like I... I, if I had room, I would have taken him like three weeks ago before he broke out. I tried to, didn't have room for it, and I regret it every day. Yeah, I, I was actually uh, stunned, just floored that uh, some that nobody beat me to the waiver wire this week for him. Uh, I had a pretty low waiver priority in one league, and, and I think it might have been, one of the factors may have been the fact that they played on Thursday night, so everybody might have kind of forgotten about uh, Denver and San Diego guys. Um, but yeah, uh, if Hunter Henry's out there, uh, he needs to be owned ASAP. All right, on the other side here, the Atlanta Falcons. Uh, Matt Ryan, he's the QB1 right now, but in general, he is a QB1. Uh, certainly not afraid of starting him against the Chargers at home here. Um, and then Devontae Freeman, he's uh, probably a low-end RB1 for me this week against San Diego. Certainly not the scariest run defense they have there. Um, and then Tevin Coleman, a, a nice low-end RB2 or flex play, especially in PPR. I think there's room for him to operate in space, uh, especially after San Diego lost Manti Teo. He was really kind of one of the big defensive forces uh, you know, in the middle of the field here. And then you're not benching Julio Jones, obviously. Um, not a whole lot else to say. Sanu, Tammy, everybody else, uh, they're kind of interchangeable pieces week to week, so it's, it's kind of hard to rely on any of those guys really it's matt ryan the running backs and julio here from this point on i think you're starting the falcons offense if you own them every week like there's there's no reason to bench anybody even even with their their running backs you know being a committee technically you're starting every week um i think for me tevin coleman depending on the week uh you may or may not have better options certainly he's always had excuse me he always has that big upside in this top three top five offense in the nfl but um, i would say coleman is the only one that i may bench depending on the matchup what about when they played denver and they said oh yeah sickle cell he's not gonna play and then he ends up what, what do you have like two touchdowns yeah, um, I, I think that was uh, unexpected, though. Uh, you know, if you look at the actual targets and touches for that game, he really only touched the ball, I want to say, like five or six times that whole game. He just was able to break uh, those big plays. Okay, so who do you take? Did I even ask? You know, I think this is going to be a really, really good game, but at home, uh, in, in that stadium, it's got to be the Falcons. Yeah, I would, I would take the Falcons too. Yeah, Julio is on, he's on a tear. Yeah, like but you can't, you um, can't stop him. Once again, though, I think this is going to be one of the best games this week. I think it's two very, very good offenses right now. Yeah. All right, so the next game we have here is Tampa Bay at San Francisco. 
All right, so another uh, sad, sad injury. Doug Martin apparently had a setback with his hamstring issue here. Um, Jaquiz Rogers needs to be owned, needs to be owned. Go out and look right now if you're not sure. Uh, add him. Um, we saw that he is basically the guy while Doug Martin is out and then Charles Sims on IR. Um, and again, uh, you know, San Francisco, one of the worst, if not the worst, run defense in the league. Um, Jaquiz Rogers is a high-end running back to maybe even low-end running back one for me this week. Um, and then don't forget about Jameis Winston. Uh, if he was dropped during the bye week, uh, again, pick him up against defenses not named Arizona or Denver this year. Jameis Winston has averaged 22 fantasy points per game. Um, he gets San Francisco this week. Their secondary is not very scary. Uh, next few weeks, he gets Oakland, Atlanta, and Chicago. And as I've mentioned before, uh, you know, not to be a broken record, he gets New Orleans twice during the fantasy playoff weeks in weeks 14, 16. So again, Jameis Winston, a priority quarterback pickup if you have room on your roster. Um, yeah, if you're a Doug Martin owner like me, this is really disappointing news. Um, I don't know. Uh, other than Jameis Winston, Doug Martin, Jaquiz Rogers, and Mike Evans, uh, the, o the only other couple guys here, uh, Cameron Brait, he's a tight end too with upside in PPR given his red zone involvement. Um, and then Adam Humphreys also gets a boost. We found out that Vincent Jackson is going to IR. So I think that both Brait and Humphreys are going to get an, a small uptick in targets uh, because Vincent Jackson wasn't getting a ton to start with given his age and decline. But I think both of these guys are going to benefit from that. Yeah, I agree. I think Brait is an underrated tight end right now um at least in fantasy uh he seems like the guy that is going to end up being on half of your league's teams when they pick somebody up for a bye week fill uh he just seems to be a legitimate option every single time you need one yeah i mean i think tight end is just such a crapshoot right and then i know we've had this conversation before but you've got guys like cameron Brait, um kyle rudolph Jack Doyle, all guys who are, you know, pretty big pieces to their offense. And basically, you just don't know who's going to get a touchdown every week. Um, I don't know if I'd put Kyle Rudolph in that same category. Um, Rudolph is a little bit more reliable, but uh, I, I guess in general, I, I'm saying that the tight end position is pretty fluid because, um, you know, now we can trust Hunter Henry. But for a few weeks, he was in that territory as well. Um, if you look at the top, t uh, the top tight ends right now, um, in PPR scoring, uh, we've got Greg Olson, uh, Martellus Bennett, Jordan Reed, um, and then surprisingly, Zach Miller, and then Hunter Henry, and then Dennis Pitta. So it's really kind of dependent. Uh, and then you've got guys like Travis Kelsey and Jimmy Graham, who should be relatively dependable every week. But um, And then you guys, you've got guys like Kobe Fleener, uh, who's going to be boom bust, uh, Gary Barnage boom bust. Same with Delaney Walker and Jesse James. Um, yeah, I, I just think that tight end is such a crapshoot outside of guys like Gronk, Bennett, Olsen, and, and you know those top five or six guys. Right. Um, give me Tampa Bay on the road. Oh, oh yeah. sorry, we. I'm sorry, oh, no, we, we haven't talked about the Niners just yet. Uh, do, do we even need to? <laughs> <laughs> um, you you know, surprisingly, yes. Uh, Colin Kaepernick, I know, isn't great, and his whole kneeling. Oh wow, Addison Russell with a home run. Cubs are up four nothing. That's all I'm going to say. Um, Colin Kaepernick, you know, he's not the greatest quarterback uh, in terms of decision-making. 
Uh, but he's got the arm, and, and he's got that running ability, too. He scored 18 points last week on the road against Buffalo, a good defense. Um, I think he's a streaming quarterback consideration at home against a, a pretty bad Tampa Bay secondary. Um, he's a QB, two with upside in this matchup. Expect a couple of deep shots again to Torrey Smith. Uh, and even though the deep accuracy is pretty inconsistent, I think Torrey Smith is a boom-bust you know, wide receiver three now with Colin Kaepernick instead of Blaine Gabbert. Um, even though Chip Kelly's system gives Torrey Smith upside, we saw that Crabtree struggled to produce until he found a quarterback that's got a better deep ball. Um, so again, Torrey Smith, boom-bust guy, uh, could be worth a shot here against Tampa's secondary. Um, Carlos Hyde, unlikely to play this week. Uh, he is out. Uh, I, I believe he's already been declared out, but if not, he's very doubtful to play with that AC sprain. Um, I don't love any of the, the running backs here for San Francisco. Um, I, I think it's going to be somewhat of a committee, and, and Tampa Bay's run defense is much better to begin with than their, than their pass defense. So really for me, uh, it's just Colin Kaepernick uh, and Torrey Smith um, until, you know, until Carlos Hyde comes back. I just checked. Hyde is officially out. Okay, yeah. They're saying he's going to miss one game at least. Okay. Um, for me, uh, Davis and Sean Drawn aren't uh, priority pickups, certainly not like Mike Gillisley or Jaquiz Rogers. Um, I think this whole offense is going to struggle even more without Hyde. Uh, but again, uh, if you're desperate, Colin Kaepernick, a decent streamer, but give me Tampa Bay on the road. Yeah, I mean, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's just move on. The next one is New England at Pittsburgh. Um, so I will say I'm actually really sad that Ben Roethlisberger is hurt and going to be out, uh, because I think that this would have been an amazing game. Uh, now, not so much, uh, on the new England side, not a whole lot to say here. You're starting Tom Brady, you're starting James White, starting LeGarrette Blunt, you're starting both of the tight ends with Brady under center. Um, the really, the only problem here is the wide receivers because they're sharing a ton of snaps. And really, uh, the, the emergence of Martellus Bennett and James White is hurting those short targets to Julian Edelman in PPR. Uh, he's really just a wide receiver three right now and a very unreliable one at that. Uh, as is Chris Hogan uh, and Danny Amendola. You know, it's going to be difficult to predict which games these guys uh, are, are going to get more of those targets, especially with, you know, just all these targets going to the tight ends and the running backs. Um, I wouldn't drop Julian Edelman, uh, but I would temper those expectations. Uh, I think really instead of being that reliable wide receiver two in PPR as he has been in years past, um, losing all these targets, he's really more of a flex play now. So um, looking at the points, if you had decided to play all Patriots lineup in PPR this week, you would have scored 134 points. Yeah, and um, again, not to give away all of my secrets, but I, I do set at least you know one All Patriots lineup uh, every week in in DFS. Uh, so certainly, uh, if you want to give that a shot, could be could be some easy uh, easy cash depending on the matchup. Um, I, I will say for the running backs this week, uh, before with uh, with Big Ben at the helm, I would have thought this would be more of a shootout type game, and I would have preferred James White. But now, especially looking at what Jay Ajayi did to this Pittsburgh defense last week, I think that Belichick is going to try and mimic a little bit of that. Um, I, I think we see a pretty good game from LeGarrette Blunt here. You don't think James White's going to repeat? 
I think White's uh, still a decent flex play, especially in PPR, but I, I don't see him getting two touchdowns every game. I, I think that we've seen his ceiling right now. Um, and, and if you can sell high on James White, I think I would. So what do you think the snap count's going to be at the end of the game between Blount and James? Um, I want to say uh, it'll be 60-40 in favor of Blunt. You think so? Because last week it wasn't. Yeah, but I, I think for this week, I think they're going to try and run it down Pittsburgh's throats, kind of like how Miami did. Okay, that's fair. Um, but on the Pittsburgh side, again, very frustrating. Uh, there are various reports on how long Ben Roethlisberger is going to be out. Um, all we know for sure uh, is that he is 100% out for this week, though. So, you know, I'm not starting Landry Jones as my fantasy quarterback, but you look at uh, the games that he's played, he's actually done okay supporting this offense in terms of production for the other guys. Um, again, I don't see the Steelers winning this game, even at home, but uh, you're certainly not benching Antonio Brown. Uh, and then actually last year, Martavis Bryant and Le'Veon Bell did okay during Landry Jones' start. Um, I would expect all of them to be uh, more risky plays, but the ceiling is still there for all these guys. Um, I, I would I would shy away from starting Sammy Coates, but I, I think that the upside is there still, even for him. Um, I, I would definitely try to avoid Jesse James, um, but you're still starting Antonio Brown and Le'Veon Bell. Yeah, meniscus tears are tricky. I mean, we've seen athletes in the past come back after like a week or two, and then we've seen them come back if they opt to, to get the, the repair instead of it just getting removed. It could be out for nine months. It's it's weird. Um, so I don't know. Temper your expectations with Roethlisberger in my for my uh, in my opinion for the rest of the season. Although didn't didn't Antonio Brown do decent with uh, with uh, Landry last year too? Yeah, Brown actually had a big game with Landry. Um, and I will say, uh, Roethlisberger, his surgery is confirmed that they they just removed that or cleaned it up. Uh, they did not repair it, so he shouldn't be out for very long. But Again, definitely out this week, and that, that, that's all we really need to speculate for right now. Right. Um, yeah, I mean, you know me. Go Patriots. <laughs> all right, so who, who do you... Oh, that's who you picked. Of course. I picked them, too. It'd all right. It'd be hard to pick against them. Yeah, I mean, I, it would be much closer if, if Roethlisberger were playing, obviously. I actually think I would pick them if Roethlisberger was playing. Just, just to, just, you know... To defect with you a little bit <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah all right so the next game the sunday night football game is seattle at arizona expect a low scoring game yeah i'm uh i would be worried right now if i were an arizona cardinals fan um the defense is obviously still very very good and and of course you have you know a, a top running back if not the best running back right now david johnson but Carson Palmer's steep, steep decline is very worrisome. Uh, we, we saw that against the Jets, who are a very um, beatable team uh, in terms of their secondary. Uh, they really didn't take many deep shots. Uh, Carson Palmer just looks like he's reached uh, or at least neared the end of his NFL career. Uh, you know, he'll play out this season and then maybe one more. And, and that's really all I can see. This is kind of a, a Peyton Manning effect. Um, actually very similar because they they have a pretty dominant defense, but the offense is just kind of fluttering. Uh, so for me, uh, I, I think that Seattle is going to kind of do um, a lot more in this game than we're going to see from the Cardinals, simply because both defenses are, are pretty evenly matched, but 
the Seattle offense is is probably uh, superior just because um, they have both a run game and a pass game, whereas it's going to be really tough for, for Carson Palmer to attack the Seattle secondary. Was Palmer a hold or a drop? Uh, he's a drop for me. Interesting. Um, uh, you know, of course, barring, you know, a 14, 16 team league or, you know, a two QB league, obviously you're holding on to him there. Um, but in a standard 10 or 12 team league, I think you can stream better options than him at this point, especially this week. Right. Um, so the Seattle side here, Russell Wilson, he's been throwing more this week or excuse me, this year, but he's been so inconsistent. Uh, part of this is the emergence or the awakening of Kristen Michael. Um, so for me, Russell Wilson, just the high end QB two here, especially against this Cardinals defense. Um, Kristen Michael, he's shown to be a workhorse in the absence of Thomas Rawls. Uh, Rawls has another couple weeks, at least it sounds like before he's back. So for me, uh, Michael's another high end running back two, low end running back one once again this week. Um, and then Doug Baldwin, just a, just a flex play right now, especially um, you know seeing Tyron Matthew and Patrick Peterson kind of lock it down. Yeah, I just uh, I think Jimmy Graham though he's he's the number one target now. He brings a different dynamic to the Seahawks offense along with Kristen Michael. He's a top five tight end again. Do you think that uh, Jimmy Graham is benefiting from the fact that Wilson is choosing not to run as often as he used to? Um, I think a little bit, but they've actually taken a bunch of deep shots. It's not like uh, Jimmy Graham's been playing like a Jason Witten type role where he's checking it down on third downs. Um. I don't think that Graham's resurgence has as much to do with Wilson's knee as in, as it has to do with his knee and his health and being able to you know be an explosive target again, especially down the field. Okay, so what about Russell Wilson? It, do you think he still has a lingering injury? Is that why he's he's been extremely inconsistent? He's not running? Is he just trying to protect himself? Yeah, I mean, I think the problem is that Seattle's never had a great offensive line. It's always been one of their weaknesses on a, on a very well-built team in general. Um, but we've seen that Wilson's always been able to get around that due to his scrambling and his running ability. Um, but with the you know the knee injury right now, and just whether it's not 100% or wanting, wanting it to be more cautious with him, um, I, I think that limits his upside because, one, uh, the rushing numbers aren't there. Um, you know, the rushing touchdowns in particular were a big reason uh, or a big part, I should say, of his production last year, uh, fantasy wise. Um, and I think that he's still a very, very good NFL QB. But um, without that rushing upside, you know, his his fantasy production is somewhat limited. OK, I can see that. So who do you take? Um, well, real quick, let's go over Arizona as well. Um, I thought you already so, did that. You talked about Palmer for like... I mean, there, to be fair, there's not a whole lot to talk about here. Palmer's droppable. You're not starting him against the Seahawks. Um, and then David Johnson, you're not benching against the Seahawks. And then I, I guess really here, Larry Fitzgerald, he's still a wide receiver too. Uh, Palmer can certainly get him the short stuff uh, in the red zone as well. Um, and then John Brown, we've seen that he's definitely emerged as the the number two target over Michael Floyd, who's all but disappeared despite getting that touchdown. Um, Floyd is droppable for me. Uh, John Brown is a is a flex play because I don't know how much is going to be there against the Seahawks defense. Um, of course, the Cardinals don't use their tight end very much in the passing game. Um, and I think you're starting both defenses uh, in, in this matchup here. But give me, give me Seattle. Can you even name the Cardinals tight end right now? 
Yeah, I, th- I think it's uh, what Jermaine Gresham is one of them. He's the starter, okay. and then I just wanted to make a point on how irrelevant <laughs> they are that you don't even well, know who they are. Right. Well, for for me, that that's kind of an outlier, just because I know so much random crap at this point. But uh, uh, certainly not uh, not useful information. You don't need to worry about who the Cardinals' <laughs> tight end is. Fair. So who are you taking? Yeah, give give me the Seahawks on the road. Really, I'm gonna take the Cardinals. Yeah, I, I, you know, I, I flip flop back and forth a little bit on this one, um, but at the end of the day, I think it's going to come down to, you know, for me at least, uh, both defenses are very good. Um, both Kristen Michael and David Johnson are very good. Uh, for me, it's Russell Wilson over Carson Palmer. Okay, no, that's fair. That's fair. All right, last game we have Houston at Denver. Yeah, r- really, the they've they've been picking some some terrible Monday night football games. Um, I don't see anything other than even with Trevor Simeon's inconsistent and, and downright bad play at times, uh, I think this is going to be a bloodbath uh, in Denver's favor. Um, I, I think that Brock Osweiler struggled for like three quarters against the Colts defense. Um, I can only imagine what's going to go on here. I definitely would not start Osweiler. Um, I, I think that Lamar Miller is fine. Uh, Denver has had trouble. Um, you know, defending the run with all their off-season losses, um, and also uh, with dynamic pass-catching running backs. Look at what Tevin Coleman did. Um, I, I think that you're not expecting very much from DeAndre Hopkins. Uh, Fuller, just a flex for me if you're desperate, and Hopkins downgraded to a low-end wide receiver too. Uh, you're basically hoping for, <laughs> I guess, garbage time. I never thought I would say I would say that about DeAndre Hopkins because he's just such a good wide receiver, but I don't know how much he's going to do against Denver. Yeah, Osweiler has been very, very disappointing. I mean, he signed a, what, four-year, $72 million contract? Something like yeah. that. I mean... He is terrible. I mean, look, if he, if he could single-handedly take down Hopkins, because Hopkins was a first-round pick. Remember what Hoyer did with Hopkins last year? It was actually decent. You know, he had a very good year. How can Osweiler not, you know, get it done? Does he have a future with this team? Like after this year, like you think he's going to get benched? You think he's going to try to go with someone else? No, I, I don't think he's going to get cut after this year by any means. Uh, but I, I certainly don't know that he's the long-term answer for Houston. Um, I, I think he plays out, you know, the duration of his contract, or you know, as soon as he's cuttable with the dead money. But I, I think that Osweiler is there to stay for at least the the next couple of seasons, if not longer. Um, and then one other thing is, you know, uh, really Brock Osweiler, he, he does well uh, if you just tell him to execute a game plan, but uh, it's when it, he's forced into those bad reads, when, when his first uh, one or two reads are shut down, that he kind of just doesn't know what to do. It looks like he's kind of just floundering out there. Um, but for that same reason, I think CJ Fedorowicz, um, you know, in very deep uh, PPR leagues, I think he's a decent tight end play. Uh, just... A little bit touchdown dependent, but we have seen the, the tight ends in Houston getting much more involved in the passing game in the last couple of weeks since uh, Bill O'Brien took over the play calling duties. Um, and then on the Denver side here, I don't know that you're, you're starting Trevor Simeon either in fantasy. Um, I think he'll be okay if you do. He's a relatively um, you know low ceiling QB2. Uh, and then CJ Anderson, it's been concerning. Uh, you know, the, the offensive line just hasn't been playing well, but uh, you know, in addition to that, he's been losing a few snaps here and there to Devontae Booker, who's looked pretty good. 
um, he's just a low end RB two right now. We we saw him come out uh, come out of, come out of the gate really hot uh, the first couple of games, but he's been steadily declining since then, much like Matt Forte. Um, you know, Booker is a is a need to be owned handcuff at this point. Uh, but I don't know that either of them are very exciting until, you know, un- unless one of them gets the majority of the touches. Um, and then, you know, monitor em- Emmanuel Sanders' injury. It sounds like he'll be okay. Uh, he's still a wide receiver, too, um, if he plays, as is Demarius Thomas. I agree with that. What, what happened with C.J. Anderson? Is it, was it just that first game, really? And then after that, they kind of, like, petered off a little bit? Yeah, and, and I think that maybe even the first game was more of a product now that we see how bad Carolina's defense actually is um, because really the Denver offensive line has been struggling uh, as of late, and, and we've seen that C.J. Anderson had a touchdown uh, if it weren't for a holding penalty last week, and, and it's really these types of plays that are going to hold back this offense, not just Trevor Simeon. Right. So if you had to start with like, if you had to start Sanders or Demarius Thomas, who do you pick? Uh, it's got to be Sanders. I think that he's the clear preferred target for Simeon over Thomas right now. Interesting. I see them both as being equal. It's it's just one or the other is going to have a big game. Yeah, but I mean, if I had to flip a coin, I would definitely go with Sanders. I, I just think that he's developed a better chemistry for now uh, with Trevor Simeon. Whatever happened to Virgil Green that you were so high on at the beginning of the season? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, he's finally healthy. Uh, they They have him play a ton of snaps uh, also because he's such a good blocker to kind of supplement the, the woes that they're having on the offensive line. Um, maybe, maybe there's still opportunity here. Uh, maybe he becomes that outlet. Uh, who knows? Um, now that he's back on the field, we'll see what he can actually do. Certainly still on my watch list. So who do you take? Uh, it's Denver. It's got to be Denver, right? Yeah, I think this game is... It's got to be Denver. Osweiler's not good enough. There's no way. Yeah, uh, I certainly agree there. Um, So that's going to pretty much wrap up this week's podcast. Uh, Remember, Carolina and Dallas are both on bye this week. So, you know, if you lost uh, Cam Newton, Jonathan Stewart, Kelvin Benjamin, Greg Olson, um, a a couple other guys in Dallas, uh, you know, you're you're losing Dak Prescott. um, You're losing Ezekiel Elliott. Uh, Des Bryant, hopefully he will be back after the bye, but we'll see. I heard he cut his hand. Did you hear that? Yeah, uh, so the story, the report is that Des Bryant uh, cut his finger um, while cutting carrots, preparing uh, soup for dinner. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So uh, it seems like Dallas needs to just, you know, kind of get some nannies for their players, especially after McFadden. Um, you know, broke his elbow trying to trying to not drop his phone. Um, uh, speaking of Darren McFadden, uh, just something to monitor in very deep leagues or maybe dynasty leagues. Um, sounds like Darren McFadden's ready to come back. Uh, he may get traded since they really don't need him, and there are certainly plenty of teams that need help at running back. So keep an eye on that. Um, and then Cole Beasley, you lost to uh, Terrence Williams or Bryce Butler if you're desperate enough to start those guys. Um, so again, there are plenty of streaming quarterback options this week. Uh, you've got guys like Alex Smith at home against New Orleans. Uh, you've got Marcus Mariota at home against Tennessee. Um, who else here? Let's see. You've got, 
You've got Colin Kaepernick, if you're desperate, against a bad a Tampa Bay secondary. Um, so you've certainly got options here uh, for those guys that are on by this week. Um, running back, it's likely to be more scarce, but certainly uh, if you really are desperate, uh, you can start Mike Davis uh, with Carlos Hideout. Um, and then again, priority pickups. If, uh, you know, if your league has not uh, been diligent enough to grab these guys, you need to own Jaquiz Rogers and Mike Gillisley right now. Yeah. All that right. That about wraps it up, right? Yeah. Um, again, uh, just this week has been really weird in terms of injuries, as has been this whole season, I feel like. But uh, as ever, uh, stay diligent. Uh, we are still only, uh, you know, under, you know, not even halfway through the season just yet. Uh, there's plenty of time, um, even if you're two and four, as I am in a league or two with just terrible luck. Uh, you know, it's not over. Uh, there's still plenty of games left to be played. All you need to do is sneak into the playoffs and then anything can happen. Um, sometimes you just got to have a little faith, uh, be patient and trust in the process. Uh, you know, try and continue to do things that are beneficial to your team, uh, whether it's waiver wire ads, uh, aggressively exploring some trade opportunities you know don't uh, don't take no for an answer if somebody rejects your trade offer you know ask them okay like what do you think uh you know what are you looking for what what can we do to make, get this done um so again don't give up keep uh, keep trucking away there and as always if you have any specific questions for us uh, you can find us on twitter i am at ffa underscore mung that's m-e-n-g What's my Twitter handle again? <laughs> uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah you, you probably don't really need to tweet at Dan. He's, uh, he's not super active on Twitter. I've kind uh, of but... abandoned that uh, a while ago. <laughs> yeah, I'll answer maybe... a question if someone actually sent one. Okay, well, there you go. Challenge accepted, I guess. Um, so you can tweet at Dan if you're, if you're really desperate. At um, FFA underscore D-A-N. In, in case you, you didn't, didn't know, know how to spell it. Um, and then uh, you can also find Los on Twitter at FFA underscore Los. Oh, yeah, uh, that guy. Yeah, he's got some super important stuff going on. So, you know, he couldn't uh, join us this week, but uh, I guess he's all right. So uh, I don't know if he's going to even listen to this show, but uh, I bet he doesn't. <laughs> we'll see. Well, let's just like talk crap about him for five minutes and, and, and we'll know if he listens because he'll comment on it. Yeah, and, and who knows? I mean, Dan, you, you did a pretty good job today. Maybe, maybe this is like a Tony Romo, uh, Dak Prescott situation. Maybe Los oh, doesn't I, get his job I back next Dak? week. All right, I got the good one. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, as always, since Los isn't here to give the little spiel at the end, uh, please uh, follow us or subscribe to our podcast. Uh, there's a variety of ways you can do that, whether it's through iTunes, um, Google Play if you're on Android, or on SoundCloud, um, you can do the Sound excuse me SoundCloud app on your mobile devices, or uh, do it on the website uh, if you want to listen at work. Um, and as always, uh, thanks for listening. And it's a fantasy world, and we're all just addicts in it. Thanks, addicts. Uh, thanks, addicts. That's what.